The MMA on the Rocks podcast is intended for adult audiences and does contain some explicit content. So if you are not an adult, please make sure your parents do not know you are listening to this and do not repeat anything you hear on this show in front of them. Also a reminder that even if you fight recklessly, please remember to drink responsibly. Now that we have that out of the way, let's get to the show. Welcome to MMA on the Rocks. My name is Bill Welger. You are listening to episode 182 of the podcast. Or you're joining us live here on YouTube. Today is Sunday, March 22nd. And I definitely don't want to turn this into a coronavirus COVID-19 podcast because... You guys have probably been hearing too much about that stuff, but it's not like I can just ignore it because it's affecting everything, including, you know, the main subjects of this podcast. But before we get into anything at all, let me introduce all the way from very secluded on lockdown quarantine, New Jersey, Jeff, the animal Wilson, Jeff. How you doing, my man? This is this has got to be some of the craziest times uh, of our lives right now. What's going on, man? Uh, Bill, you know, I, I we talked a little bit about this before the show started, but you know, New Jersey, New York, the tri-state area is, uh, you know, kind of quarantined, locked down. Um, nobody's in the streets. And Bill, I picked a really bad time to start reading this book, American Psycho, <laughs> by Brett Easton Ellis. Bill, it's starting to make me think of, you know. Actually, let me not get into it, Bill. We'll we'll, we'll get we'll get a uh, we'll get discontinued by yeah. the FDA or whatever or the US ADA, whatever. I don't uh, I don't think we can get discontinued. I don't think uh, I don't think anybody is of importance is is watching or listening. And um, um, all right, well, in that case, Bill, you know <laughs> <laughs> this guy Patrick Bateman, man. Um, I'll be honest with you, Bill. I'm a big fan of the movie because of Christian Bale, and I think that the movie is slightly better than the book in this case. Um, it, the book is about 400 pages long, and it's it gets kind of repetitive uh, with him killing prostitutes and eating their brains and stuff. Mm-hmm. So you know, you, you just get a little tired of reading that after a while, and I'm just like, is there a point to this story? Or is it just you being whatever? I'm sure that there are people who really enjoy this book. I'm not knocking them. It's not a bad book. I just prefer the movie. But, Bill, I'm going a little stir-crazy. I've been looking for indoor workouts to do. Uh, You know, started doing some yoga just to get my body moving. But, Bill, I got to tell you, man, uh, as someone who's more of an introvert, and, you know, I don't mind staying at home every now and then. I don't mind days where I can just be lazy and not do anything and just stay home and read. But Bill, man, too many of these, and I'm I'm starting to go stir crazy. I'm starting to wonder how long it would take me to control squirrels with my mind if I like <laughs> tried. So, Bill, um, I didn't realize how important human interaction was. Yeah, well, um, luckily we're able to do this podcast from the comfort of our own home, uh, so we can have we can have interactions like these, and and hopefully provide. Uh, an hour or so of distraction for, for everybody who we're fortunate enough to have tuned into the show. But yeah, man, it's, it's wild times right now. And 
and wondering what the point of the story is, is how I've been feeling watching the news lately. And this, this thing is wild. And, and it seems like it's being talked about just to talk about it. Uh, I'm definitely a proponent of everybody being safe. If yeah. you're able to stay home, uh, don't go out, you know, hopefully you have enough food and supplies stocked up for your families, everything like that. Uh, I hope everybody's making smart decisions out there, but yeah. Uh, as far as going stir crazy at home, I think it's just, it's just a mental obstacle, you know, because it, you, you tend to enjoy those low key days at home, which I don't, I don't get many of those either. And I haven't even had them. Uh, just because I've I have so many projects around my house that have just been piling up that I've been busy nonstop, even though I've been staying home. You know, usually on the weekends I'm off at Disney World or or doing some some kind of activity that is that is planned for me that uh, <laughs> involves toddlers and 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 all kinds of fun stuff. But I've been home. Uh, I think. You have to get over that mental obstacle of not having the choice to leave home because most of us all the time are like, wow, I wish I didn't have to go to work. I could just stay home. Mm -hmm. And now now you have the ability to do that. In fact, it's being mandated for a lot of people and, and people are like, well, I don't want to be home. So it's just it's just really this the psychological aspect of, of getting over like this is where I, I need to be right now for the sake of mankind and for the sake of the safety of myself and my family and, and figure out what you need to do at home you know i've been doing workouts in my garage uh you know definitely don't just sit on the couch and and binge watch netflix i i haven't been watching much television at all uh just because it's gonna rot your body and your mind uh, you know, figure out what needs to be done. I mean, you're, you're in your house where, you know, there are little projects that, that you've been putting off and putting off and, and now's the time to get those things done. Uh, for example, Jeff, I was telling you yesterday, my daughter's swing set. Um, if you guys have been listening to the show for over a year, you remember me telling the story of me building this swing set, um, uh, which, you know, was a pretty intensive project. Uh, because I decided not to get one of those prefabricated ones because I live in Florida and it's really humid and you know, the, the type of materials those things are made out of just can't stand up to the humidity in Florida mm. and they wouldn't last very long. So I went out and got some pressure treated lumber and uh, I, I hung up the swings in between two trees. Well, since that time, one of the trees has died. And in fact, the top mm. half of it completely fell off and, and fell over the fence. Uh, luckily, my my favorite neighbors are are the neighbors uh, <laughs> to the south of my house, which is just a utility field and a forest and, and a fence that the city put up. Um, so I definitely enjoy I definitely enjoy those neighbors. But so this tree's dead, and um, you know maybe the swing set is the only thing holding it up. I don't know, but I decided I had to come up with a solution to to keep it standing. Cause my daughter really loves the swing sets. Um, you know, if you guys follow my personal social media accounts, you always see it. All I do is post pictures of my daughter on there. And a lot of times it's on her swing set. So what I figured out I had to do is put a concrete base in the ground about three feet deep and then, uh, attach a post to it and then screw the current crossbar into that post, cut down the dead tree, and then, uh, you know, cut off the excess 
crossbar. Uh, so that's what I did yesterday. Uh, it was the first phase, pour the concrete. Um, I haven't messed with concrete too much, Jeff, but I always cement too. <laughs> <laughs> Bill, I know you came up with that as soon as you finished that job. Oh, man. You've been holding on to that one. <laughs> anyway, um, so my, my buddy Matt came over yesterday and, and helped me uh, pour the concrete, and uh, we had a good time with that. Um, it went smoother than I anticipated. So now I just got to wait, uh, till it's dry enough to, to drill holes into it. But, um, yeah, I have a, I have a ton of things like that around the house that I need to get to. And, uh, I'm probably going to continue going to work, uh, this coming week because, you know, we run a small business that I don't, I don't really talk about on the show. Um, but we run a small business in Tampa and, um, you know, we got to, continue putting out orders as long as possible so we can keep paying our employees and, and taking care of them. And, you know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of variables that go into what's going on in the world right now. You know, small businesses are taking a huge hit. Yeah. Big businesses are taking a huge hit. This thing is going to totally restructure the entire economy. And again, I don't want to, I don't want to get too deep into it, but you know, here we have a, an issue that started in China and because of that, they had to close down a lot of factories that produce medical supplies uh, for for a majority of the world. Uh, so when the rest of the world is is essentially shutting down to try and stop the spread of this thing, they're having a hard time getting these medical supplies because uh, of all all these things not coming out of China that we need, like uh, masks and and things like that. And and uh, it, it's really going to make a lot of people rethink a lot of things and restructure a lot of things. And, um, that's some of the positive that's going to come out of it. I think, uh, because we realize once we've had to deal with something like this, you know, how can we prepare for it in the future? Um, and, and that goes from everybody from, from people running small businesses to people who are employees of businesses to large businesses, you know, everybody's got to have a plan to account for this kind of thing. You just can't, um, you can't just keep living like paycheck to paycheck and, and, and hoping to hang on and, and just hoping like no disasters ever come up because, uh, you know, things happen. And I think this is a big learning experience for everybody. I hope everybody comes out of this, uh, having learned something and um is able to bounce back from it um but other than that i don't have too much else to say about it i can recommend for you uh, if you want some uh some mental uh, some attitude adjustment i can recommend for you my buddy steve maraboli's podcast uh whispers of genius echoes of madness he just put out a new episode where he kind of talks about everything going on and how you need to pay attention to the people in your life and I thought it was really cool the way he talked about it, you know, just pay attention. Like while you're in isolation and quarantine, pay attention to the people in your life that you miss and, and pay attention to the people that, you know, when you think about them and you're, and you have this time away from them, um, you know, if they stress you out or if they cause any sense of toxicity in your life uh, and he, he gets deeper into it. He's the behavioral scientist expert, but, um, you know, if you're looking for something a little different, um, go check that out. Steve, of course, is the host of the MMA and Beyond podcast with Ray Longo and Emanimal, which unfortunately is on hiatus because uh, they don't want to do it remotely, even though I have offered my services 
to to help them do so. Uh, I I do miss my Ray Longo fix, but um, and the Manimal too. I'm worried about the Manimal Jeff because I see him on Instagram with a grappling dummy that he's put a CPR mask on for some reason. Um, so Manimal, if you're listening, but um, that that is not going to protect you from anything. <laughs> but and it, and the saddest part is that the grappling dummy tapped him out. So his jujitsu's already gotten worse. Uh, here's a here's here's a second degree black belt uh, who is tapping to a grappling dummy. So who knows how bad the rest of our jujitsu's gotten uh, during all of this shit? Um, obviously, uh, this is where we kind of transition into how all this is affecting, you know, the main topics of this podcast, being MMA and grappling and jiu-jitsu because a lot of gyms have had to close their doors you know a lot of states have mandated it um so that includes like you know professional fighters this this definitely affects and um you, you know i, I don't want to be i don't want to make light of of anything else uh, anyone else who's affected by this but um, you know, in, in transitioning back to the essence of this podcast, talking about the MMA fighters, you know, some of them have fights scheduled that have not been canceled, you, you know, in, in the later parts of April and beyond. Um, so, but they, it's gotta be hard to train. I've, I've seen videos of them training in garages and, and hitting mitts and, and trying to run outside and do whatever they can to stay in shape. Um, but you know this this puts a hindrance on being able to spar and being able to do a lot of things that that help prepare for a mixed martial arts fight. Um, and I don't know really what the solution is. I, I plan to have some fighters on the show in the coming days, especially if I'm going to be quarantined myself. Um, I'll continue to put content out for you guys, and I'll interview some fighters and see how they're kind of coping with this thing. But uh, give me your thoughts, Jeff. That you know. How do you see this? I mean, as aside from us losing all these these MMA fights, which you know personally, I don't I don't care that much. I'd rather see everybody out there, um, you know, worrying about their health first and foremost. I, I don't want to see anybody putting themselves at risk, even though it means that we've lost uh, Khabib and Ferguson for the fifth time. Uh, it, you know, it's not even a thought in my head personally like oh no we lost this fight again it's more like oh no humanity is in trouble um but you know it is unfortunate because you know a lot of these fighters they don't make a ton of money so they're they're scraping to get by and um their gyms are all closed so they they can't really train um so i, I don't know just get, give me your thoughts on the on the current landscape of mma amidst this uh global crisis here jeff yeah, Bill, I, I think that's, you know, for me, that's kind of taking a back burner, you know. Uh, I was never thinking, oh, you know, it sucks, we're not going to get Khabib versus Tony Ferguson. You know, that that can that can happen another time. Um, but, yeah, dude, it's, it's, it's crazy the times that we're living in. And I think that one of the, going back to what you were saying about this being a psychological thing about staying home, I think it's more of a philosophical thing, too. I think people just hate that. Uh, choice that free will being taken away from them uh mm. I, I think that's a big issue too because you know a lot of us like you said we have time to do 
um, you know, uh, projects at home. And instead, it's easier to go out and, and have fun and stuff like that. So, you know, I, I think there's a lot to, to consider. You know, I got some things at home that I want to do, uh, some books that I've been putting off because I'm always reading for class and stuff. So, you know, it's not all me going stir crazy. You know, I'm trying to, you know, uh, like I said, just keep my body moving, working out in my front yard and stuff and in my backyard, uh, reading a little bit more. And as for the MMA thing, you know, like like we were saying, that, that can happen later. For now, you know, it's important that people use logic uh, in these times. It's important that we, you know, stay at home and just keep this thing from spreading, keep this thing contained. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, Bill, you know, I'm, I'm a bit of a skeptic. You know, I'm into conspiracy theories and all that, which I'm not going to get into. But, you know... I feel like the media is a big part of this too. You know, Um, I feel like, don't get me wrong. I think it's important to take precautions, but I also think that people are blowing this out of proportion. I think that people are more concerned than they should be. You know, if we take the right steps, I think we can, we can contain this thing. Uh, You know, the fact that it took the entire world to end for people to learn to wash their hands when they go to the bathroom, I think is terrible. I think that, you know, that's stuff that I do, you know, before all this started. So, I, you know, I think that if we're just a little bit more careful, a little bit more precautious, um, that we'll be fine, man. You know, yeah. we've come back from swine flu, SARS, uh, the Ebola virus, uh, Spanish flu, uh, you know, things that people at the time, you know, were freaked out about. You know, we, we found solutions to those things. And I believe we'll find a solution to this, too. I just think we need to be patient. You know, it sucks. Um, it looks like a situation that's going to be longer than a couple of weeks. Um, in Like in New Jersey, the governor's, ha- uh, there's been talk about him, you know, ending the school year early. Um, mm-hmm. And as a teacher, you know, I, I'm always saving up money during the school year because I know there's going to be a time where I'm not working. So, you know, I'm okay for a bit. But uh yeah, I think, you know, um, I think with reasoning and logic, you know, I think fools rush in. So I think we need to just take the right approach to this. And I think we'll be fine, Bill. Yeah, I think so, too. And I, you know, as part of the media, uh, <laughs> you know, we have to do our part, too. Um, and I, I promise you guys we wouldn't get too deep into this thing but here we are 18 minutes into the show and it's pretty much all we've talked about um it's it's hard it's hard to kind of break away from it but i i promise you guys there there's uh there's content coming i want to definitely act as a distraction i don't consider myself you know part of the any media group that you should be getting any real information from i (laughs) i give you my opinions on fighting and drinking um you know, and just because we have this platform, you know, we, we shouldn't be telling people, you know, how to act or what to do or what to be afraid of and whatnot. So let's get away from it, Jeff. Let's talk about some fights, man. So you and I decided we, we've been talking about this for the longest time where we do an episode of our top five favorite fights. And, um, you know, now seems like as good a time as any to do this because, you know, a lot of people are home with nothing to do. Maybe we can give them some suggestions for some old fights to go back and watch. There's no new fights coming up. There's no other live sports going on. So why not do it right now? Well, turned out 
for both of us, it turned to be a more difficult task than we both anticipated. I couldn't put together a list one through five because as I was doing this, I realized there are so many fights that for me personally were amazing, but I can't convince you all that are listening to this show that they were great. Um, you know, because it was, you know, everybody has a different interaction with a fight. Whereas, you know, something might've been going on with me personally in my life or something was going on at the time that I watched this fight, uh, that made it that much more important and made it stand out to me. Um, that if you were to go back and watch it, you'd be like, what the fuck is Bill talking about? This fight was terrible. Um, but you know, there are so many different things. Like you have so many different emotional attachments. So I'm, I'm going to do my best and try to give you guys a couple of fights to go back and watch. Um, and, and I know Jeff will do the same. We, we have not compared lists, so we may have some that are the same. And, um, but Jeff, my thought is to just kind of go back and forth and I'll give you the floor first. And I don't have an order. I don't have like five, four, three, two, one. I just have a list of fights. I have more than five in front of me, but I'm going to try and keep it to five. Um, but let's just get into it, man. Give me a fight. What's a, what's a fight that to you, when you think oh, about man. the best fights of all time, just kick this thing off and, and, and look what, whatever you have in front of you, just give me a fight. Yeah, dude, I actually got a couple on my list. And uh, same thing as you, Bill. They're not in any particular order. Uh, I definitely have a favorite, but I'll leave that one for a little bit later on. Uh, but one of my favorite fights uh, that I remember watching, uh, I was in college, and and this is a little bit of, you know, context of why it means so much to me. But uh, I was, you know, I was in college, and I was finishing up, and, you know, I... I never liked UFC. I always thought it looked stupid to me. Um, you know, two guys fighting in a cage. I always thought it was ridiculous. And then, you and know, look at I, you now. Yeah, dude. I, now, <laughs> now I can't get enough of it. And, you know, I was looking to do something in terms of self-defense. So I didn't want to do like Taekwondo or uh, one of those sports where you, you know, it's all about winning points. So, I, you know, started doing some research and I knew that Brock Lesnar was actually in the UFC, that he'd become the heavyweight champion. And as a big WWE fan, I was like, okay, I didn't know this guy could even fight. So, you know, let me check out some of his stuff. So one of the biggest fights, and this actually is one of the reasons I started, I got into jujitsu as soon as I finished college and was working more and could afford it. I I remember Brock Lesnar fighting against Shane Carwin, man. Um, if you guys ever saw that fight, it's Brock Lesnar hadn't fought in, I want to say like a year and a half because he'd gotten some type of surgery. Uh, I think that was when he got um, his diverticulitis. Yes, thank you. Uh, so they basically they pulled half of his um, lower intestine and part of his colon out of his ass, and. Um, well, yeah, you know, I don't think they pull it, Jeff. I think they surgically remove it. Yeah, but don't they remove it through his ass? Yeah, but I don't think they just yank it out of there. They they go in and like like make some precise incisions, and <laughs> they they don't just go yanking his asshole out of. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, that makes more sense. I'm, I'm putting it in layman's <laughs> terms, Bill. So anyway, that's um, important for probably <laughs> listeners of this show. Yeah. So, um, so for me, you know, in round one, Shane Carwin, you know, beats the crap out of Brock Lesnar. And it looks like he's going to finish Lesnar in that first round. Shane Carwin's coming in. He's on a hot streak. I think he's won either five or 10 fights uh, straight. And he's the interim heavyweight champion. 
So Shane Carwin comes in, uh, you know, looking to take Lesnar's head off, swinging for the fences. And Brock Lesnar, someone who does not like getting punched in the face. If you've ever seen his fights, uh, his first couple of fights, he really didn't enjoy it. He hadn't gotten hit clean yet. And then when he fought Shane Carwin and he got hit for the first time, you know, he he um, he covered up really quick. And in the second round, Brock Lesnar comes back out. Shane Corwin's exhausted from all the energy output he's had, you know, trying to finish Lesnar. He spent five minutes, you know, looking for the finish, and he's exhausted. And then Brock Lesnar wins with a uh, arm triangle choke. And I was like, holy crap. Like, something happened there that worked. And, uh, you know, I started, that's when I started watching um, the old UFCs, when Hoist Gracie beat... Um, What's his name? Uh, De- uh, the wrestler, not Dan Severn. Was it Dan Severn? Would he be at UFC 1? Do you remember? Might have been Dan Severn. But anyway, uh, you know, always crazy, this little guy tapping out the massive Dan Severn who's been on top of him for 25 minutes, and I was like, okay, this is what I want to learn. This is the martial art that, you know, I want to learn for self-defense. And it all started with Brock Lesnar versus Shane Corwin. I think it was UFC 160-something. But uh, anyway, for me, that was an awesome fight. I think you should go back and check that one out. All right, Bill, I'm passing the buck over to you, bud. Yeah, um, just to comment on that fight, though, because that that is uh... – and I believe it was Ken Shamrock in that final of UFC one. I think it was UFC two or three that he, that he fought Dan Severn. Dan Severn came along a little, a little bit later, but yeah, I think it was uh Hoyce Gracie and Ken Shamrock, but um, yeah, Shane Carwin, a lot of people listening to the show may not even remember Shane Carwin uh, because you gotta, you gotta keep in mind that that modern name MMA fans, you know, kind of picked up the sport in the Conor McGregor era. Yeah. era. Uh, Shane Carwin was a guy who was a fucking monster and could have been one of the greats of all time, in my opinion. And he was like a real blue collar guy. He was working full time as an engineer while he was in the UFC yeah. and while he was the interim champion, just a monster of a man and, it, and so much muscle on him. And I think he was anticipating just putting Lesnar out in that first round, but wasn't able to do it. And um, Lesnar at the time, I think had just gotten his blue belt in jujitsu. Mm. Um, so, you know, still fairly inexperienced as a submission grappler, but of course, uh, you know, NCAA all American national champion, all those accolades. And, um, yeah, I'm glad you brought that fight up too, because I remember I was, I was really into MMA at that point. And when Lesnar made his debut, I had a buddy who was really into the WWE and, and he had told me, like, oh, you got to watch out for this guy. He's a fucking monster. And he was going to fight Frank Mir. And I was like, Frank Mir is going to submit him in the first round. And I was so confident of this. And I went back and forth with this buddy of mine. Like, you don't understand. Brock Lesnar is such a beast. And I'm like, it doesn't matter. He doesn't understand this world. Yeah. And sure enough, Frank Mir submitted him with a leg lock in the first round. Um, it, it was uh, an uh, awesome time for me. Uh, so that, that's my Brock Lesnar moment. But let me give you another fight here. Looking at my list, I'm looking for a good transition. I have a couple that are starred here. I'm going to go with Dan Henderson and Vanderlei Silva Part 2. This was at Pride 33. And this fight was just an all-out slugfest. I mean, you, you got to remember at this time... 
Vanderlei Silva is one of the most feared men on mm. planet Earth. Oh, yeah. uh, if you've if you've never seen vintage Vanderlei Silva, like back in the Pride days when he was on steroids and cocaine, and would come out of the corner like a wild ass Tasmanian devil, a two hundred five pound Tasmanian devil. Uh, this guy was fucking terrifying, Jeff. I mean, they called him the axe murderer for a reason. But if you had to think of a guy who is like the definition of fearless, it's fucking Dan Henderson. Mm. I have, I don't think I've ever seen a boring minute of a Dan Henderson fight. No. This guy is going for broke every minute of every round of every fight he's ever been in fought well into his forties. This fight was a slug fest, uh, for, for the beginning half of it. And you got to remember too, that pride fights, the first round was 10 minutes long. So these guys swinging on each other. Um, it, it ended with a, a nasty knockout by Dan Henderson with a huge left hook, uh, right at the end of the third round. Um, and, uh, it, it was such an epic, it was such an epic finish, man, because, you know, here's Vanderlei Silva, the scariest dude walking the earth that a lot of people didn't know about because, you know, most people weren't watching Pride at this time. Um, I'm going to look up real quick what year this is, Pride 33. Um, but Dan Henderson, man, just one of my favorite. This was 2007. So, yeah, mm. not a lot of people, even if you were into MMA, you're probably only watching the UFC at this time. Uh, it, to watch pride was, you had to have like a connection. Like you had to yeah. know somebody who knew how to get it. Um, I, I used to, um, buy the DVDs on eBay and I used to wait for them to come in the mail and watch them. Um, you know, if I wasn't able to catch it live, it's not like today where like you miss a fight and you could find it streaming on the internet, like within hours. Um, you know, this was back in the day when, um, he, you know, there wasn't even fights on like YouTube or anything. I used to rent fights at Blockbuster, Jeff, <laughs> like the UFC nice. DVDs when I was in college. I would go and see what they would, whatever they would have, you know, UFC like 20 something, 30 something, whatever it was. I, if I hadn't seen it, I would grab it and, and go watch it. But Dan Henderson, Vanderlei Silva, too. And, and there are a lot of pride fights that, that came to mind. I didn't want to give too many pride fights on this list, but this one was, um, yeah, always stood out to me just because the way it ended, the buildup of the whole thing, the, the most feared guy against the most fearless guy. Um, mm. it, it was like a really cool storyline for me. And, um, yeah, the whole thing was just a, a cool fight. Do you, do you remember, do you recall this one at all, Jeff? Have you seen it? No, I don't think so. Um, and Bill, it's funny because before you guys moved to Florida, you gave me a bunch of Pride DVDs and I haven't had time to watch them, <laughs> but I think I'm going to dig into them this week. But uh, no, I actually, um, I'm looking for the fight on my phone. Um, one of those websites that you mentioned has it. So I'm definitely going to check it out because uh, I know your list is going to be different from mine. But yeah, that's definitely something I really want to go back and watch because you know, Dan Henderson and uh, Vanderlei Silva, they have defined their generations of MMA men, you know, and like you said, Henderson fought into his 40s, almost 
beat Michael Bisping for the middleweight belt into his 40s, uh, which I really wanted to happen. I wanted to see that. Some uh, would say he did beat him and lost the decision. Uh, I remember that fight. Uh, this is not on my list, but I do remember that fight. I, I, I just, I did. I think that Henderson landed the bigger shots, but Bisping landed more shots, and I felt like he controlled the octagon a bit more. Um, but Henderson put him on his butt a few times, man. Uh, that second fight. Um, yeah, if it had been like the first one, we'd have, we'd be talking about a whole different Dan Henderson, man. That that's if we were making a list of top five finishes of all time, that's got to be oh, on yeah. there. Oh, and the. The the Dan Henderson Vanderlei Silva finish was was uh, similar where he hit him with a huge and except it was a left hook instead of the right overhand that it was in the Bisbing fight. So he hits him with the left hook and then comes down with the flying forearm. You know that signature Dan Henderson, the Air Henderson forearm. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> um, well, let let's keep it rolling, Jeff. What else you got? All right, so this is another fight that I I was watching, you know, when I was in college and and trying to figure out what this, what this jujitsu thing was, Chael Sonnen versus Anderson Silva, Bill. Um, you know, the buildup was crazy. Chael Sonnen's been talking smack about Brazil for months now. Anderson Silva is clearly fed up with this, but he probably can't put it into words in English because you know. He doesn't speak English very well, still doesn't speak English very well. Um, but, um, you know, Anderson Silva just, you know, it's been building, man. Uh, Chael Sonnen said, is talking about his wife and how uh, he would go into Silva's house and uh, command his wife to make a mistake the way he likes it, and then he'd slap her on the ass. Dude, um, so the buildup to this fight is crazy. And um, Chael Sonnen has been talking for months that he's going to take that belt from Anderson Silva, how he's already the middleweight champ, how Silva's challenging him for the belt. And, Bill, it seemed very likely that that was what was going to happen because for the first four and a half rounds of that fight, it was all Chael Sonnen. Chael Sonnen had knocked Silva down with, a, I think it was a, a jab, a really stiff jab, Put Silva on his butt. When Silva didn't get knocked down by a strike, uh, Chael Sonnen would wrestle him to the ground, was on top of him for four rounds, and even well into this fifth round, Chael Sonnen's still on top of him, and he's throwing little rabbit punches that aren't really doing damage, but are winning him points. Mm -hmm. So at this point, I've got this fight five rounds to zero. It's Chael Sonnen's fight to lose, and then Anderson Silva throws up a triangle, and Chael Sonnen, you know, very intelligently is able to throw it off. But now his arm gets caught in an arm bar and he taps. And just like that, all the work that he had put in, talking smack, um, you know, dominating Silva from the top position, putting him down, taking him down every single round and keeping him down. All of that is lost. And Anderson Silva, and for me, one of the greatest comebacks, another reason that I got into jiu-jitsu, you know, Silva wins this fight, taps and uh, Chael Sonnen out. And that was when I realized how special jiu-jitsu is, man, because the tide of the fight can change from just one good position, one, you know, intelligent, uh, built-up um, moment. And, you know, I, I was just so in awe of Anderson Silva. I was like, holy crap. Like this guy might just be unbeatable. Yeah. And I, I have this fight on my list as well. 
I, I have it written down here. Uh, this was UFC 117. I remember where I was watching this fight, which, um, you know, it, it was it was really a special one. I was up in the Adirondacks on vacation and bought the pay-per-view up there. And uh, I was worried about whether or not there was going to be reception enough to watch it because, like you said, there was so much buildup. But at the same time, the consensus was Anderson Silva was going to completely demolish Chael oh, Sonnen, yeah. mm-hmm. especially because of all the trash he was talking. And, oh, he just talked his way into this fight. He didn't even deserve to be in there with him. And at the time, Anderson Silva was pretty much invincible. Like. Oh, yeah. it, 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 Everybody thought he was unbeatable. You know, it had been years since he had been uh, beaten uh, back in Japan. He was undefeated in the UFC. He came out of nowhere and just smashed everybody, walked right through the the reigning champ, Rich Franklin, easily, twice. You know, made him look like like an amateur, uh, basically. Rich Franklin, one of the baddest motherfuckers of all time. So all that considered going into this fight, you think Anderson Silva is just going to toy with Chael Sonnen and, and torture him. And, and I like the way you describe the fact that it was Sonnen holding him down, but you got to remember Chael Sonnen rocked him and dropped him with a big left hand in the first round. Um, You know, he beat him striking first and then made him worry about the takedown. Totally threw him off his game plan. Very underrated fight by Chael Sonnen, who is a very underrated fighter because over time he had become like a parody of himself. And especially when he went over to Bellator, he was just kind of playing a character and and getting paid a bunch of money. And I think maybe got too comfortable in that role, but uh, one of the most underrated fighters of all time, in my opinion, Uh, you know, he'll be remembered as like the, the trash talking kind of cartoony WWE style guy, um, who who would lay and prey on people. But aside from world-class wrestling, uh, he was an amazing boxer. Um, you know, boxed up Rampage Jackson in his last fight. Uh, you know, how many people can say they did that? Um, and yeah, dominated that fight until the very last seconds. And, and he's even talked about how it was like a psychological loss, how mm-hmm. he pictured himself getting submitted like in multiple, like, you know, he would play out the fight in his mind before it happened. And in multiple scenarios, he kind of imagined himself getting submitted and it, it kind of came true, you know, which goes back to what we were talking about earlier with, uh, you know, your attitude and the way you look at things and, you know, their self-fulfilling prophecies are a very real thing. Um, you know, whether you think you can, or you think you can't, you're right. This is mm. a very famous quote. I think Henry Ford said that. Um, but don't quote me on that. Just, <laughs> uh, but yeah, phenomenal fight. Um, and I remember exactly where I was, and I remember, I, I remember thinking like, "Holy shit, he's gonna beat Anderson Silva. He's gonna become the world middleweight champion. This is a done deal." And then, just out of nowhere, he gets caught in that triangle, which turned into a, a triangle armbar, and it was like. Wow, what the fuck just happened? What the fuck just happened? This was this was in the bag. Like even the Texas Athletic Commission wouldn't have fucked this decision up. They would have given it to Chael Sonnen. (laughs) Like this was a done deal. Even New York wouldn't have fucked this up. 
yeah. the worst athletic commissions. Um, yeah, man. But yeah, great pick, Jeff. Um, I'm going to give you another one here. I'm going to scale it back a little bit. I'm going to give you a more, I guess, obscure one. Hmm. And it's uh, Joe Lozon and Jim Miller, part one. These guys fought twice. And um, I just remember at the end of this fight, just sitting there with my mouth hanging open, like these guys were a bloody mess. Um, And, and two of my favorite fighters also, by the way, just really good guys. Like they're actually good friends now. And they've had two wars in the Octagon spent 30 minutes in the cage together. But the first time they fought, it was um, UFC 155 and um, just slinging on each other, big knees, big punches, ripping cuts open. Um, I remember at the end of the fight, I, I can still picture it in my head. Like I, I I've gone back and watched it a couple of times and I've looked at, at images of the end of this fight. But I remember watching the end of this fight, Joe Lozon sitting on the floor of the octagon and his whole face covered with blood, except you could see like a little bit of white around his eyes. Mm-hmm. And I was like, that's one of the fucking craziest things I've ever seen. And then the fact that they went back and did it again and had another crazy war that was more grappling heavy the second time, but still very back and forth, very close fight. I thought Lozon won the second fight, but Jim Miller got the decision. The fact that they could all go through that, uh, go through those two wars together and still be respectful, not only respectful, but friends. Uh, you know, I've heard Joe Lozon appear on Jim Miller's podcast and they just talk like, you know, a couple old buddies that used to work at Sears together or some shit, like, <laughs> but, um, they shared some epic fights, man. And that, that first one, it was like, it could have, it had everything you could want out of a fight. It had awesome grappling exchanges. It had close submissions from two notorious submission experts. Uh, I think, uh, Lozon is still one of the leaders in, in uh, performance of the night bonuses, uh, Jim Miller has submitted, you know, the who's who. Uh, so that was, uh, that was a big one for me. And it was another one where it was like, I remember where I was when I was watching it and, and my reaction to it immediately after, and just it always sticking out in my mind ever since. Um, so yeah, that that's one that I guess is a little, a little more obscure. I mean, I've got some more. I've got some more like consensus greatest fights ever. Um, if, if you're just joining the show, we're talking about our, our favorite MMA fights of all time. Um, but yeah, Joe Lozon, Jim Miller won. Uh, the second one was a great fight too, but that first one, man, I, I just remember like my mouth hanging open at the end of it. Um, do you recall that one at all, Jeff? Yeah, I actually need to go back and watch that one because I remember how the fight ended. I don't remember too much of the entirety of the fight, but I do remember how it ended. And, dude, I just remember both of these guys being bloodied up, man, and just thinking these guys have gone through an absolute war. And, you know, that that's one of those special fights, man, where – where, you know, everybody appreciates it. Everybody in the arena appreciates it. You know, no matter who you were rooting for, you appreciated that fight. And, 
you, you know, that's, that's, you know, there are a lot of fights like that. that are special. Um, yeah. And that's why it was cool for me because I wasn't rooting for anybody because I'm yeah. a fan of both of those guys. And it's so rare that that happens. Yeah. You know, it was, it's like, um, I'm trying to think there was, there's a time recently where it happened where I was a, a couple of times recently where I was such big fans of both fighters. Um, I think it was a Justin Gaethje mm-hmm. fight. Maybe uh, Gaethje and Eddie Alvarez. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, there there are some some fights where it's just like, oh, I don't know if I want to. Oh no, uh, Gaethje and Cowboy. Oh, that was a good one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I don't want anybody to lose this fucking fight. Yeah, you know. And uh, those are those are always memorable. You know. Um, because they kind of understand, like, you know, they respect each other, but, like, they know it's it, – it may not be the fight we're asking for, but it's a fight we didn't know we needed. And yeah. that was that was Joe Lozon, Jim Miller for me. And um, it was a fight that not a lot of people were talking about, you know, when it was made. And I was like, holy shit, Joe Lozon's <laughs> going to fight Jim Miller. And it, everybody I knew at the time was like, who's Joe Lozon and Jim Miller? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. But uh what else you got, Jeff? All right, Bill. So um, you know, moving away from the uh more emotional fights that kind of got me into jujitsu, this is just more fights that I just really enjoyed watching. Um, so this next fight is um a little bit I didn't think I was gonna like it as much as I did until I watched it. So this is um the next one on my list is TJ Dillashaw versus uh, Henan Barrow, the first fight. <clears throat> because, uh, you know, I didn't know anything about TJ Dillashaw, dude. Uh, I was like, all right, this um, dude from Team Alpha Male, um, I guess he's going to get the same ass whooping everybody else has gotten. Because Henan Barrow was on a, an absolute tear. Um his fight with he was supposed to fight Dominic Cruz, who at this point in time is still the bandweight champion. Henan Barrow has become the interim bandweight champion after defeating, I believe, Uriah Faber. And he was supposed to uh, get a title fight against Dominic Cruz to unify the belts, but that never happened because of, you know, just bad luck for Dominic Cruz, a bunch of injuries. But anyway, um, so in steps in TJ Dillashaw. And, you know, aside from his recent uh, news headlines, which, you know, haven't been too flattering. Um, you know, I I thought Hen and Brow was going to take him out in one round. Mm. Um, after all these guys from Team Alpha Male, guys like Chad Mendez, um, Uriah Faber have gotten title shots and failed. Uh, I was thinking, okay, here's another Team Alpha fail that's going to happen. <laughs> to put it into Dominic Cruz's terminology. But anyway, um, yeah, TJ Dillashaw, the bell rings, and TJ Dillashaw starts dancing around him and just picks Henan Barrow apart, man. Um, from the first bell to the last round, absolutely um, a crowning performance for TJ Dillashaw. I didn't know he was going to do all that. I really didn't think that he stood a chance. And then my mouth hit the floor at the end of this fight. At the end of round four, heading into round five, I was like, this guy's all but won this fight, man. Like, mm-hmm. there there was no life left in Henan Barrow. That will to fight just, it's it ceased to exist because TJ Dillashaw beat it out of him, literally. And, you know, um, 
the and you know TJ Dillashaw, I knew he was a good wrestler coming out of Team Alpha Male, but you know he didn't use any of that. He didn't need any of that to beat Hen and Burrell. Yeah. And um, you know, in the fifth round, he just starts teeing off on him and finishes him. Um, and then the same thing happened in the second fight too. But I, it was just, I was just, I just remember being so impressed by TJ Dillashaw's performance, man. And you know, I, as soon as I heard about the rematch, I knew it wasn't going to go well for Hen and Burrell. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, dude, that all and that all stemmed from this first fight of just watching TJ Dillashaw just dismantle uh Hen and Burrell. And for me, it really put um Dwayne Bang Ludwig on the map as a, as a good coach for me, you know, cause I didn't know too much about him. I just knew that he worked with team alpha male. And then, uh, you know, even when he went off on his own, he found much success with TJ Dillashaw. So for me, that was a great fight for both Ludwig and TJ Dillashaw, seeing them hugging at the end of this fight, you know, crying together, uh, just huge moment, such an enjoyable fight and just a masterful performance from TJ Dillashaw. Yeah, for sure, man. And, uh, you know, you talked about the, the negative press from TJ Dillashaw, but Burrell's another guy who, you know, kind of fell off around the time Usada showed up in the UFC. He's now yes. lost seven of his last eight fights. But yeah, I remember at that time he seemed like much like Anderson Silva going into the Chael Sonnen fight. He seemed like invincible, and and Dillashaw definitely coming away with the upset there would go on and knock him out twice. Yeah, um, yeah. So super impressive by him, and then. That was the beginning of the end for Head and Burrell. Yeah, he no. never came back after that second fight. Dude, anybody who's seen him fight in the last five years would probably be like, this guy sucks. And yep. you don't even understand like yep. how dominant. I mean, beat Uriah Faber twice, uh, finished him once. You know, not a lot of people can put that on their resume. Um, but yeah, uh, that was that was definitely one of the bigger upsets of all time for sure. Oh yeah. Um, but yeah, great, great, uh, great pick, Jeff. I guess uh, since we're going into more mainstream, um, more mainstream picks, like more consensus picks, I have to go with this one, and it's it's a bit cliche, but I don't care, Jeff, uh, because this fight was incredible, and I'm talking about Forrest Griffin mm-hmm. and Stefan Bonner the first fight they had at the ultimate fighter season one finale. And I remember exactly where I was watching this fight, Jeff. I was in my dorm room at the university of Albany and I had a TV. We, we used to have like the dorm bed was right up against like this radiator and it had like a wide windowsill. Right? So I had this, shitty little 13 inch TV that I had like on that wide windowsill. And I was sitting in my bed just watching this. Like I, I wasn't that into UFC at the time. I, I knew a little bit about it. I knew some of the fighters. I had seen a lot of the earlier stuff, you know, people had lent me videotapes and things like that, but I was watching this fight live sitting in my little shitty dorm bed on my on my shitty blue sheets that i used to have on this thing on my twin size bed 
with the, this 13 inch TV that was a combo TV VCR. Uh, <laughs> you definitely can't find them anymore. It was a 13 inch <laughs> screen. It was about the size of the laptop I'm I'm talking to you on right now. <laughs> And I remember sitting up in my bed and leaning forward and watching the screen like, what the fuck am I watching right now? What am I witnessing? This is not like anything I've ever seen in my life before. Um, And I remember, you know, since that time hearing Dana White talk about it, like people were calling each other and and telling each other to, to put this fight on and to watch it. And that was not my experience. Personally, I wasn't calling anybody to tell them to, to turn it on, but I could see how people would be doing that because I was like, these guys are just slinging punches at each other nonstop for 15 minutes. And at the end of it, I was like, I don't know who the fuck won this thing. Like, how do you, how do you score this? Like, how is this done? This is not like boxing or anything I've been experienced with. And, and the amount of, MMA I've watched before that and there there weren't really decisions like a lot of it you know it would just go until somebody won so this was my first experience that I remember having with like a decision in MMA and when they said Forrest Griffin won I was like well yeah fucking I guess so I don't don't know (laughs) to me it looks like both of these guys lost they're both a bloody mess Um, (laughs) And I don't know if this fight holds up, Jeff. I, I haven't gone back and watched it in a while. I don't know if it holds up to the feeling I had when I watched it sitting in my dorm room and watching it on that 13-inch TV VCR combo that was sitting on my windowsill uh, at the University of Albany. Um, I, I, don't, I don't know if it holds up to that, but I do remember the main event of that was was rich Franklin against Ken Shamrock. And, uh, after that I was like, Oh, I knew Ken Shamrock, you know, at that time he had done the WWE and all that stuff. And I knew he was in the early UFCs and I was like, Oh, well, Ken Shamrock's going to destroy whoever this is. And then rich Franklin just smashed him. Like wasn't even close. And I was like, who the fuck is this guy that just did that to Ken Shamrock? Like, so the whole, the whole card was an experience for me. And then it was after watching that, that I had gone back and watched the whole ultimate fighter season one, which I always tell people who are new getting into MMA, like watch that season of the ultimate fighter, because I feel like that turned so many people onto the sport because it showed the human side of these people. You know, mm-hmm. you get to see that they're real people. They're not just barbarians that get in there and do this. You know, that's when you started to learn like 80% of these guys have college degrees and things like that. Um, so yeah. And that, that's what I always try to do whenever we have fighters on this show too, because of that season of the ultimate fighter. And because of the feelings that I had watching that finale, um, I always want to human humanize these, uh, these men and women who get in here and do this. So that's always my goal, uh, with this podcast and, and, uh, with interviewing fighters, but yeah, man. So Forrest Griffin, Stefan Bonner, probably, you know, arguably the most important fight in the history of MMA because, you know, there was management changes and there was, there was a lot of questions as to whether or not, 
MMA was even going to be a thing anymore. They took a risk. They went out and and funded this thing on their own, the first season of Ultimate Fighter, and and looked for a network that would show it after the fact and, and lucked out with Spike TV picking it up and showing this finale and, and it picking up so much traction. You know, if that fight had sucked, that might change the whole history of MMA, Jeff. We might not be sitting here right now. Um, yeah. You know, so for all those reasons, aside from the fact that it was just an amazing fight, but if it wasn't, pff, fuck, Jeff, we might not even have MMA right now. We might be having like NBA on the rocks right now or some other. And, uh, we wouldn't be talking about it, the NBA, Bill. Yeah, that's true. Basketball was never cool. We would just be having on the rocks, on the rocks, <laughs> all about alcohol. Yeah. Um, Bill, I, I think it's interesting that you bring up that fight because that's actually on my list too. And I remember just thinking <clears throat> the bloodbath of that fight. And at the end, I didn't know who won. I, I, I didn't think that both guys lost, but I couldn't tell you who won. Um, and, and I didn't watch that fight live, but I have gone back and watched it because it was so, you know, um, groundbreaking. And like you said, Bill, the UFC was in dire straits at this point in its history, man. Like all of its money was put into the Ultimate Fighter um, because a lot of states didn't want to sanction UFC. Everybody thought it was cockfighting because of John McCain. Um, the the real the only the only state who really sanctioned it was is is uh, Las Vegas, Nevada at this point, and you know money's tight for the UFC. They're not filling seats. And this fight, man, this season of the Ultimate Fighter is, you know, so, so important for the U history of the UFC. And like you said, Bill, um, if this fight was bad or if it sucked, you know, we could be living in a totally alternate timeline where maybe, maybe you don't move to Florida, Bill. Maybe you stay in New York and, and you never go to New Jersey at all. And then we never meet and we end up. You know, I end up with a podcast about like, I don't know, baseball cards or something. I don't know. Yeah, could be. Um, yeah, yeah, because uh, I I didn't start training mixed martial arts until well after this. You know, I had gotten home from college and and uh, I was working at the time, and I was so into MMA, and um, you know, I had wrestled and, and done a little boxing in the past. And I was like, this is something, you know, I feel like I could get into. And I even thought at the time I was going to fight. Um, so I, that's when I joined, uh, Westchester fight club, which was my first mm -hmm. gym back in New York. And, um, uh, my jujitsu coach was a guy by the name of Steven Williams, who is part of the Danaher death squad. And just recently made his triumphant return to competition. Nice. Um, yeah. Uh, Dude's a beast. Got his black belt in four years from Henzo Gracie. Oh wow! Yeah, which is an accomplishment in itself. And um, <laughs> we just got a live comment, Bill. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna put it up. <laughs> Let me just finish my thought here, and then I'll yeah, we'll address this. I'll I'll put it on the screen though. Um, <laughs> I lost my train of thought. You were talking actually... about how your um, first black belt got his black belt from yeah. 
Stephen Williams. So they call him the prodigy for a good reason because he got his black belt in four years, which is unheard of. Usually it takes 10 to 12 years to get a black belt in jiu-jitsu. Um, you know, I'm at this thing seven years, and I'm not even close to, to being a black belt. But here we got a live question from uh, <laughs> our buddy Jeff Bogman. He wants to know, can the animal's mom make some soup that will kill the coronavirus? <laughs> Jeff, I think she can. I just don't know how quickly we could get it mass-produced. That's the only problem we're running into. <laughs> yeah, especially because, you know, the soup of the week is made from leftovers. So yeah. she would have to make, like, multiple meals that the soup was made of to make the leftover soup that would kill the corona. Like, am I, am I not, <laughs> am I not explaining this properly? So like the soup is made of leftovers, right? Yeah. So yeah. It, it, you got to make six or seven meals to make the soup. Yeah. So to mass produce it, you got to make those six or seven meals. <laughs> yeah. So then they turn into like 48, you know, 57 meals. So the follow-up question is, so the soup is not ready? No, not at the moment. We can't mass produce it yet. But um, actually, I don't think there was soup this week. I think this week it was chickpeas, which I was trying to make into hummus, but apparently you need to add other stuff to it, so it didn't work out. Yeah. Did you just think it was chickpeas? Yeah, I thought I just masked up some chickpeas in a blender and it'd be fine. No, dude, you gotta add you gotta add uh, sesame seeds and and some lemon in there, at the minimum. I like a little garlic in there too if you're gonna make fresh hummus. But yeah, this isn't recipes on the rocks, so <laughs> let's get away from this. Um, so Forrest Griffin, Stefan Bonner, once if uh, you're just joining us, like Mister Bogman here, uh, we're talking about our favorite MMA fights of all time. So if you have anything you want to contribute to that conversation, please feel free. Um. Uh, what do you got, Jeff? What's next on the list for you? I know uh, we, we shared a couple so far. Yeah. Okay. So next on my list, going, st you know, sticking with the TJ Dillashaw as Bantamweight champion era of the UFC. Um, Bill, you know how biased I am when it comes to talking about the Bantamweights in the UFC. And Bill, if you didn't think that Dominic Cruz would make an appearance on this list, you're sadly mistaken, friend. Because... I'm surprised we haven't heard his name already. I thought he was going to be your whole top five. <laughs> Dominic right. Cruz's last five fights are the best fights of all time. Actually, you're not too far off here. Um, two of them are on this list. Um, the first one, and this probably has actually, there's a couple of Dominic Cruz fights, not to mention it, that could be on here, but I'm only going to give you one at a time. So um, the first one. For me, in and this is just such a, and this is probably my highest pick on this list, um, of you know strictly of Dominic Cruz's best fights is um, Dominic Cruz versus T.J. Dillashaw. Um, Dominic Cruz and I remember exactly where I was. I was visiting a friend, and Bill, you actually know her. She uh, uh, she still trains at our gym where uh, you were, where we actually met. And you know, a friend of mine had just uh, she had torn her ACL in training. Uh huh. Playing football or something. So me and my buddy, another buddy, we go to visit her, and you know it's all three of us. You know she's sprawled out on the couch because you know she can't move, and you know we got uh, like chips and stuff, a uh, bunch of food. So um, we and I tell her, listen, 
th- there's a specific reason that I go to her, go visit her because I was telling her about Dominic Cruz and how he had two ACL surgeries, um, a groin tear that he was coming back from. And I was like, listen, you know, an ACL, you know, I know it sucks. Um, I know it's going to take you a while to get back into training, but let's watch this fight so you can see that it can be done. Um, so, you know, there's, there's that context, but, um, you know, I wasn't really talking to anybody, you know, I was, I was happy to be there, but I was more into this fight, man, because Bill, at the end of this fight, I didn't know who won. And Bill, this was that fight where like, if you ever played street fighter or mortal Kombat, it's like when you pick, when you and your buddy pick the same character, their clothes are just different. That's what this fight was. Um, TJ Dillashaw had basically been groomed by Team Alpha Male to mimic the movements of Dominic Cruz so that Team Alpha Male could figure out some way to beat this guy because Dominic Cruz at this point has scalped several members. What do you think? Because TJ Dillashaw won this fight, right? No, he lost this one. Uh, Bill, they were only according to the judges, Jeff. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) yeah, that's the those are the only people whose opinion matter at this point. No, I think my opinion matters. I'm part of the MMA media here. I'm I'm a pretty dominant force in it. In fact, no, I thought I thought we concluded that we wouldn't have these varying opinions after we can't come (laughs) to an agreement on John Jones versus Alexander Gustafson. Yeah, we agree that John Jones won that fight clearly <laughs> four rounds to one. No, never agree. I thought I thought that was the conclusion that we no. both came to. No, Gustafson won that fight three rounds to two. But anyway, um, I digress. Yeah, that's what I said. John Jones won it four rounds to one. <laughs> anyway, going back to this fight, Bill. Um, I'll be honest with you. I was so nervous at the end of this fight. Both of these guys fighting exactly the same way. Uh, you know, TJ Dillashaw. He's been trained to mimic Dominic, Dominic Cruz's movements, and he did it successfully. Man, uh, he you know he looked great in there. They're dancing around each other, um, but it wasn't like boring. You know, it, it was so interesting. Just the style matchup, the fact that. <clears throat> Dominic Cruz, after coming back from three very serious injuries, three uh, and quite a number of surgeries, is able to get back in there and you know do what he did against TJ Dillashaw. And I'll be honest with you, Bill, um, this is definitely one to go back and watch. You know, I I've gone back and watched it a few times. Um, you know, for me, Dominic Cruz won, Bill. But at the end of this fight, seeing it live, I did not know who was going to get the decision. I could have seen it going for Dillashaw, but I felt like he just did not do enough in five rounds to win this one. I felt like Dominic Cruz just had that one round uh, more than TJ Dillashaw. But I could have seen it going either way. Um, but, yeah, seeing Dominic Cruz win and, you know, even after you saw him limping because he had a uh, – Uh, some foot injury that was uh, really, really bothering him throughout the fight. And, you know, just seeing him come back after so many injuries, so many years of being on the shelf. um, For me, that was really special, man. Uh, I think it's a special fighter who can come in there uh, after so much time off and come in, go five rounds with the champion. Because remember, you know, um, Dominic Cruz at this point has been stripped of his title. He never lost it in an actual fight uh, up until this point. He will lose it later. Um, But huge, huge result for Dominic Cruz. Uh, And, you know, I've always been a fan of his. But for me, just just because of his story, his grit, you know, uh, for me, that was all cemented in this fight against TJ Dillashaw, which he won. Yeah, I totally agree. Dominic Cruz was gifted a decision. (laughs) 
Uh, <laughs> oh man! No, that is, that is a great one. I actually had as an honorable mention. I don't want to make this my next fight, but uh, Uriah Faber, Dominic Cruz, three, and um, just because you and I watched this one together, Jeff, we were at the beer spot in. Uh, is that in Fort Lee? Yeah, Bill. I don't. I don't think we watched that one together. I think we did. I don't think so. I think we watched it at the beer spot. You sure? I don't remember that. At the very least, we watched a replay of it there, but I'm pretty sure we watched it live. Hmm. I don't know why. I cannot remember watching that. Well, I guess it was just more meaningful to me than it was to you. Yeah, probably. In any case, I'll give you my next fight. Uh, (laughs) um, All right. So I I have an obvious choice. And I have a throwback pride choice, Jeff. I'll give you the – you make the decision here. Let's go with a throwback pride because we have a lot of more m- listeners who probably have come into the modern era, so let's throw it back for them. Yeah, I mean I have one that's that's probably on both of our lists because yeah. it's just it's just such an obvious one. But um, pride 21, Don Fry versus Yoshihiro Takayama. Mm-hmm. Jeff – to this day, this is one of the wackiest, most exciting things I have ever witnessed in my life. And I'm fortunate enough to have seen it without knowing what happens. Because, you know, it's a clip that since has been shared infinitely on the internet. Anybody who talks deep about pride, about old school MMA knows about this fight. These two guys came out, literally grabbed each other by the back of the head and started throwing punches while pulling their opponent's head into their fist for, I don't know, 85 minutes. (laughs) I don't know. How long did this go on, Jeff? We think it was like 85 seconds, dude. But it felt like 85 minutes when you're watching it. Yeah. And you're like, <laughs> how long can this go on? And and Takayama, who, you know, to his credit, t- uh, tough bastard. Just not as tough as Don Fry. <laughs> Don Fry is like the guy, you know, like all those Chuck Norris quotes that people come up with? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Those are like actually about Don Fry. Like, um, I can't think of any of those Chuck Norris things right now. But a- I any of them for you, I got one for you. Um, you know why there's no streets named after Chuck Norris, Bill? Because oh. nobody crosses Chuck Norris. Yeah, that's that's probably about Don Fry, yeah. or like the 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 cure for cancer in Don Fry's tears. But it's too bad Don Fry has never cried ever. I used to write a couple of those quotes. Yeah. Chuck Norris, Chuck Norris flosses with chicken wire, <laughs> or or uh, Don Fry doesn't go swimming. Water just wants to be around him. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so many good ones. Um, yeah, but in any case, man, if you're listening to this and you've never seen Don Fry versus Yoshihiro Takayama Pride Twenty One, that is a must see. For any MMA fan, it, it's nothing that could ever be replicated. Like this will never happen again, 
especially because there are so many skilled fighters out there now. Um, it would have to be like actually agreed upon between two fighters to reenact this uh, because it just can't. And um, at the end of it, Takayama wound up with hematomas around both of his eyes. Couldn't see. Don Fry just just a bad fucking dude, man. He's the kind of guy that you expect. He's like in there in an MMA fight. He's got like a like a dip in his mouth. <laughs> oh, he's just chewing tobacco. Yeah, it was like ah, fuck it. <laughs> like in between rounds, he's just spitting it out the side of the ring. Don, yeah. Don Fry. That's <laughs> a fucking gangster, man. He's so gangster. He probably he probably goes to the grocery store like now without sanitizing his hands after. Yeah, I don't think the coronavirus wants anything to do with him. Yeah, the coronavirus is is in quarantine from Don Fry. <laughs> yeah, dude. Um... <laughs> the coronavirus is afraid it's gonna catch Don Fry. <laughs> yeah, um, Bill. You know, I think that in today's society, there's two things we got to worry about catching the coronavirus and Don Fry's hands. <laughs> um, dude, oh man, I remember that fight very fondly. Never watched it live, but um, didn't know what the result was and, you know, checked it out. And it's just, it's exactly the way you described it. They just hang on to each other and start swinging as hard as they can with their free hand until somebody falls and can't get up. It's actually unbelievable. Like I, yeah. It, if you're a fan at all of MMA, which if, if you're an hour and twelve minutes into this podcast, obviously you're a fan of MMA, or like, I don't know, maybe you're just like guys with beards and <laughs> watching them drink whiskey and talk about stuff, or maybe there's just nothing else that's live right now because everybody's in quarantine. Um, but in any case, if you've never seen this fight, you have to. This is a must yeah, watch. And and that's why it's on my list. It's not like, oh wow, this is a really technical fight. Like it wasn't. But <laughs> it's just so fucking memorable. Um and just so amazing to watch. It, it's a spectacle. Like for sure. Um all right, Jeff, it's your turn. I got what, what number fight is this? Is this number four? Is this like I the have, fourth? Jeff, I have no fucking idea. I I know it's probably my fourth glass of whiskey, but that's from the beginning of the podcast where we weren't talking about the best MMA fights of all time. All right, so this might be number. Hold on. Ah, whatever. Who cares? Um, but like oh, I wait. said, there's. I I have done four, so this is this will be your fifth fight because I okay. put check marks. Gotcha. Okay. Um. So uh, this is probably going to be, uh, I, I guess we're just capping at five unless you want to keep going, which I have no problem with. I got nothing going on. But um, this is a special fight, Bill. This is the fight that we've never been able to agree on. Is John Jones versus Alexander Gustafson the first. Because, Bill, for me, and I'm just going to speak from my perspective, and then you can uh, tell me what you saw. For me, I saw a godlike performance from Alexander Gustafson. This is the performance you put on when you're fighting the final boss of a video game on, like, the highest difficulty. All right? That's what this was. He made, like, no mistakes in this fight. Dude. Except losing it. <laughs> <laughs> 
Dude, I thought he did everything well, man. I had him winning three rounds to two. Uh, the first three rounds I thought was all Gustafson. You know, he's taking John Jones down. This guy's a boxer, Bill, um, who just learned wrestling, like, after coming into the UFC and, like, um, you know, fighting five or six times. You know, that's when he started picking wrestling up. So, for me, for him to do that to John Jones was absolutely astounding. He takes him down, I think – somewhere between eight and 10 times throughout this fight. John Jones, um, you know, uh, Gustafson stuffed probably about that many takedowns, probably stuffed about eight takedowns before John Jones took him down in like the fifth round. Um, he was outboxing John Jones. He was outstriking him in the first three rounds, um, you know, making John Jones bleed, which I, I don't think I've ever seen that before. Uh, I think it was the first time I ever saw John Jones bleed. Um, and he, uh, <laughs> I'm laughing because there's because of your glasses, Bill. <laughs> you can't even say all this with a straight face, Jeff, because you know Cause of your glasses. Lies. Because you know it's lies. <laughs> <laughs> Bill, I'm telling you, Gustafson went in there and put on the performance to beat John Jones. Wasn't Dominic Cruz? He lost it. I mean, Dominic uh, Reyes. He lost to John Jones. Okay, he lost. Gustafson defeated John Jones. I don't know what the judges saw, Bill. I don't know what you saw, Bill. But this fight was for Gustafson. Like I said, I felt like he made zero to no mistakes. Uh, and then John Jones turned it up in rounds four and five on him. Um, but, dude, what a fight, man. Both of these guys at the end of this fight need to go to the hospital. Neither of them shows up for the post-fight interview. You know, they're both limping out of the cage. What a good fight, man. Um, I think I've gone back and watched this fight at least 10 times. Um, you know, just got put into the Hall of Fame for one of the greatest title fights in light heavyweight history. But, uh, Bill, like, I got excited just talking about this fight. But go ahead. Give me your perspective. Tell me your wrong opinion of how John Jones won. Uh, well, I don't understand how you watch this fight. 10 times and all 10 of those times couldn't figure out the way it really happened. <laughs> <laughs> I know how it happened. Which is one, which is that it was a close fight. Gustafson did well, but just well enough to lose this fight four rounds to one, <laughs> no. which, is, which is the way it should be properly scored. Uh, oh, I, man. I, um, I went back and watched this fight recently and, um, I could see the argument for Gustafson winning this fight, but he just didn't. What? Oh, man. And I'll use your argument from earlier, Jeff. The only people's opinion who matter <laughs> are the judges who scored it. Um, yeah. Three people so, think that he didn't win that fight. Yeah. So. Just like three people thought TJ Dillashaw didn't beat Dominic Cruz, which he did. Oh, he didn't. <laughs> <laughs> why why because of the judges that was your no, argument no because he couldn't hit dominic cruz the only the only strikes that were working were the leg kicks and they didn't even come until the fourth round bill all right i will concede that dominic cruz won that fight as long as you admit that John Jones won four rounds against alexander nope, nope, it happen. was it was as clear of a victory as the second fight between John Jones and Alexander Gustafson. <laughs> <laughs> All right. That second fight, I got nothing for you. 
Alexander Gustafson got annihilated. I guess you're going to try and tell me that Gustafson won that one, too. I saw John Jones tap, Bill. I saw John Jones tap. Gustafson was like, hey, you better give up. <laughs> um, Let's see. I think. Um, All right. So you've given five. I guess yeah. I only have one more, but I have a bunch more written down. Uh, here's a super obvious one. And it's Robbie Lawler and mm. Warren McDonald part two. I just fuck, man. I don't know. And I didn't want to pick this one because it's such an obvious choice. But God damn, man, this fight was good. This fight was so good. I mean, just the end. When Robbie Lawler's lip was hanging off of his face and he's just screaming like this visceral fucking savage scream and his lip is just flapping off of his face after this war he just went through with Rory McDonald for the second time. It, It gives me chills just thinking about it, Jeff. And I mean, this has to be a consensus like one of the greatest fights of all time. Like, I don't know how you could watch this fight and not be in awe of mixed martial arts. Um, you know, it going back and rewatching it a couple of times, it had its slow points, you know, it did have its lulls, but those intense moments were so intense and the finish was so intense and Robbie Lawler's, lip hanging off his face and him screaming into the camera was so intense that it makes up for all of that. That's not the parts that you remember. Um, UFC 189. I just like to give all the, uh, the timelines here. If I can, if you've never seen this fight, this is a must watch. Um, it, if you're going to watch one UFC fight, the rest of your life, it kind of has to be this one. Um, these guys just put it all on the line and, uh, man, I, I think I just, uh, expended all my energy into that description of it. And I don't know what else to say about it, except this fight was fucking amazing. Robbie Lawler's face was hanging off of his face, Jeff. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, dude. Like Um, his face was almost gone. Like he almost had to get a new face and he won the fight bill speaking of needing a new face you know that uh roy mcdonald needed a new nose because um the robbie lawler smashed his in at the end of that fight jeez uh bill i gotta give it to you on that one man that is such a good fight um i i remember seeing that live and just thinking the war that these guys went through man that was like That was absolutely nuts. And, man, like, just just thinking about that fight. Because I I actually thought Rory McDonald was going to win that fight. Up until, you know, he dropped to the floor because he couldn't take getting hit in the face anymore. Um, And just, wow. I I felt, you know, that's kind of like, man, that's kind of how it felt with Silva and Sutton. Where I felt like Rory McDonald, I was like, yes, man, this is it, dude. Like, Everybody's been talking about how he's the next George St. Pierre. And now he's about to prove it. He's going to be the welterweight champion. And then he takes this one shot, Bill. 
at the end of that fight. And at first it looks like it doesn't do anything, and then you just see him cover up and just fall back because his body can physically not take the punishment from Robbie Lawler anymore. Yeah. Bill, both of these guys could be Greek gods, you know. Uh, I don't I don't know what they would rule over, but they could easily be Greek gods after that fight, man. Um man, that's one of those Huh? I'd be okay with that. I don't think either one of them are Greek, but Roy McDonald's Canadian and Robbie Lawler's from Iowa. Yeah. Um, dude, just man, like that fight just and you're right, you know, there were there were rounds where it was a little lull, but dude, um as a complete body of work. Yes. It's just it, it's just a fucking spectacle, man. And and listening to Robbie Lawler, I mean, um, Roy McDonald described the knockout where he was like, he hit me and I didn't feel anything. And then I just saw white. Jeez. And then I stumbled backwards. And then the next thing I remember, the referee was pulling him off me. And it. It, it, it sends chills up my spine thinking about it. And that's why I had to include it on this list. I just had to, uh, what a phenomenal performance from both of these guys and just the ending. And the fact that Robbie Lawler didn't give a fuck that his face was hanging yeah. off his face. Um, yeah. So that's number five for me, Jeff. I'm going to allow you to give a few honorable mentions because I got a few for, for myself as well. So just give me like a, a high level recap of whatever you got left on your list. I'm just going to tell you guys, my opinions tonight have been brought to you by Weller special reserve, not a sponsor of the show. I like to clarify that, but um, when I say my opinions have been brought to you by Weller, it's because um, that's what I've been drinking while I've been giving you my opinions. Uh, so Weller comes out of the Buffalo trace distillery, mm. super smooth bourbon, 90 proof, um, so, you know, not the strongest, not the weakest. It's kind of right in the middle there. Uh, if you want to have a, a chill night, you go for the 80 proof. If you want to not feel like yourself, you go for the hundred proof. And, uh, if you want to just have a good time talking about some fights while there's a worldwide pandemic going on, you go for the 90 proof. And that's what I did. Uh, real, real smooth, soft caramel flavor to it. Um, Awesome color. This is what a bourbon should look like. Super hard to find, but very inexpensive. Uh, you know, a handle of this, like I'm holding up here on YouTube, here the 1.75 should only cost you about thirty something bucks uh, if you can find it, uh, and if you can, it's, it's worth every penny. Uh, vanilla on the palate for the aftertaste. Uh, and just super smooth. So um, we've both given five, I think, Jeff. I kind of lost count, but according to my check marks here, we've both given five. Um, give me a couple more with like a high-level recap of each. All right, I'm going to give you two honorable mentions. One, Bill, surprisingly, is a Dominic Cruz a loss on this list. Well, a few uh -huh. fights he's lost. <laughs> um, it, I got to give it to Dominic Cruz versus Cody Garbrandt. New Year's Eve, I want to say, gosh, what's it been, like two or three years now? Maybe four years? I think that was my first year teaching that. Uh, that no, second year teaching that New Year's Eve. I don't know. Whatever. Um, but anyway, it was December 30th, uh, 2000 and something teen. Uh, 
And I'm thinking, I'm thinking, listen, this guy is a mincemeat for Dominic Cruz. But he went out there and did to hit to Dominic Cruz what Dominic Cruz did to TJ Dillashaw in his win against him. And, you know, danced around him, was unable to. <laughs> Bill, where did you get these glasses? <laughs> so my wife has a like a costume drawer that the baby has has since discovered during this uh, quarantine. Uh, so she brought these glasses into my office and left them in here. Hey, for those of you not watching on YouTube, when Jeff is in the middle <laughs> of a really passionate statement, I put on these glasses that are like fake eyeballs with blood dripping down, and uh, it's. It's brought me a lot of joy to watch his reaction every time I put them on. But go ahead. Tell me more about uh, Cody Garbrandt. <laughs> oh, man. Um, oh, man. Anyway. Um, yeah, so Cody Garbrandt is, you know, he's dancing around Dominic Cruz, moving really well, and taunting Dominic Cruz the entire fight, man. Uh, Dominic Cruz can't hit him. Dominic Cruz is being forced to, instead of counterpunch, he's being the aggressor, which, you know, he hates doing and Cody Garbrandt basically, uh, you know, did, did to him what he does to everybody else in the man weight division. And I was so impressed with Cody Garbrandt. And, you know, uh, at one point he even does a push up in the middle of the octagon <laughs> because he knows Dominic Cruz can't touch him. Um, you know, uh, the few times that they went to the ground, it was all Cody Garbrandt. He outstruck him, out grappled him. Uh, so really impressive. Um, and, you know, it's one of those performances where if Cody Garbrandt weren't so emotional and fought, you know, very technical, very um, sustained, very focused, the way he fought against Dominic Cruz, he'd probably still be the bandweight champion. Um, so Fair. that's... Yeah, that's my one highlight. Uh, the other one is uh, a little bit more mainstream, Bill. This is the last fight that we watched together when I was down in Florida uh, last year is DC versus, um, you know, Daniel Cormier versus Stipe Miocic uh, two for the rematch for the heavyweight championship because um, it was looking like more of the same for DC. You was know? that the last fight you were here for? Yeah. Because was I last thought, April. I thought it was uh, Holloway, Poirier, and uh, Adesanya Gastelum. Hmm. Might have been that. Yeah. But I remember. That's but where I, I thought you were going with that because I had Gastelum, Adesanya on my list as an honorable mention as oh, well. I, thought, I thought you were here for that. We were watching in the backyard on the projector. Yeah, I was I was there for that. Uh, I'm getting my dates mixed up, but actually that um, that is definitely on the honorable mention list. But I'll leave that one to you. Um, but uh, yeah, so DC versus Cormier. I mean DC versus Stipe Miocic. It's looking like more of the same for Miocic. It's looking like DC is gonna you know keep up the strategy that helped him win the title in the first place in the heavyweight division, where he's using his uppercuts a lot. Um, and despite the height and the reach advantage, DC is getting inside of Stipe Miocic's guard and just able to piece him up on the feet, which, you know, I didn't expect that to happen twice. And then in the fourth round, Bill, um, Stipe Miocic changes up the game plan, focuses on one spot, and that's that liver, man. And he hit 
DC hard in that liver, probably three or four times in that fourth round. And then DC's body just shut down and gave out on him. And Miasic was able to get the finish here. So uh, for me, that fight was was kind of a redemption for Stipe Miasic. And I feel like it's going to set up a very, very good storyline if they do have a trilogy fight, which I would love to happen. Uh, but for me, those two are my honorable mentions. Fantastic fights. I just, you know, we don't have time to talk about every fight on the list. So. Yeah, definitely honorable mentions. Yeah, great picks, man. Um, I I have a bunch of honorable mentions left. Um, Go for it. We got time. I'm not going anywhere. Yeah, I'm not either. I mean, we're at an hour and a half now. This is a long episode for us. But, hey, people have nothing better to do. Everybody's sitting at home, right? Um, Real quick, I'll go over this one real quick. Fedor Emelianenko versus Miracle Krokop Mm. and Pride. Is a must, must, yeah. must watch. Um, I'll leave it at that. Go watch that fight. Uh, at that time, Fedor was the king of the world. Nobody thought anybody would come close to beating him, and Crow uh, Cop came really close. If you've never seen that fight, go and watch it. Um, Kelvin Gastelum and Israel Adesanya, which, if I'm correct, Jeff, was the last fight you were here for. Uh, it was that card where the main event was uh, Dustin Poirier and Max Hollywood, which is another amazing fight. But Gaslam and Adesanya, man, it was just one of those fights. It was like, oh, he's going to knock him out. No, he's going to knock him out. And he's down. He's down. He's down. He's down. And Like, you didn't know what was going to happen. Adesanya came away with the, with the uh, decision. That was a great one. I feel like we have to have some women's fights. Uh, that we talk about, obviously, Yuani and Jacek and Wiley Zhang. Um, yeah, but we've, but we've talked about that so recently. Um, yeah. For me, the best female fight of all time, uh, Holly Holm and Misha Tate. Mm. And uh, probably not a lot of people expecting to hear that. But for me, um, I'll tell you where I was, Jeff. I was in Montclair, New Jersey. I went to see Jim Norton do stand up who is the host of now the host of the UFC unfiltered podcast. He wasn't at the time. And then he hosted a watch party in the theater for that fight, which was UFC one forty five. I want to say no, no, it was much later than that. I'm sorry. It was, uh, it was UFC 204. I think. It was it was uh, Conor McGregor and Nate Diaz won. Um, yeah, I think that's two, two four, two five. I don't remember, but yeah. um, yeah, man. So I was sitting in this theater. Jim Norton was on the stage and uh, like kind of giving commentary here and there. But I just remember Holly Holm beating the brakes off of Misha Tate for a majority of this fight, and Misha Tate had to finish this fight, like. She was obviously going to lose if it went to decision. And uh, she had gotten beaten up and rocked pretty bad in this fight. And she just used her grappling man and, and, and took Holly home down and got that rear naked choke and put her out cold, uh, left her twitching on the canvas. And I just remember, you know, we had had dramatic finishes in women's MMA before in that there have been big knockouts like late in a fight or unexpected knockouts like Holly Holm knocking out Ronda Rousey and things like that. But nothing like this, man. Nothing that was that emotionally taxing where it was like, 
Misha's gonna lose this fight. Holy shit, she just submitted her. You know, um, for me that was um that was an amazing one. And then the last one I'll give you, which is kind of an obscure one, Chris Lieben versus Tony Martin. And I remember this one distinctly because um, I can picture it so clearly in my head. Like I just replay it so vividly. Uh, this was a war back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And I think it was in the third round. I didn't look at backup before doing this, but Terry Martin was a big, thick 185 pound fighter. And he had hit Chris Lieben clean. I think it was in the third round and you see this look on Chris Lieben's face and I can replay it in my head so clearly where he was just like this and his eyes open up wide and he looks like he's about to get knocked out and he leans all the way back. And then all of a sudden he just leans back forward like Michael Jackson in the smooth criminal video, just leaning completely forward and just clocks Terry Martin and knocks him out cold. And, it was one of the most dramatic finishes I've ever seen in my life. Um, and, and that was an obscure one I wanted to give for you guys because probably a lot of people haven't seen that fight. And um, God damn, that was a good fight, Jeff. It was so good because you think like Terry Martin got him, he caught him. And then that's when we figured out that Chris Lieben is one of these guys who fights better when he gets clipped when he gets rocked when he gets hit hard there's just like a button that goes off in his brain where he's like all right fight mode and i gotta come forward and he knocked tony martin out and um terry martin sorry i don't know if i've been saying tony martin the whole time but it's terry martin uh and that was it for me jeff that's uh that's all my honorable mentions but there are so many more and i realized how difficult it is to put this list together I'm interested in hearing everybody's opinion on the greatest fights ever um, because every time this conversation comes up, I'm reminded of fights that you know I forgot about, but then I remember exactly where I was watching that fight. And that's that's the beauty of this sport, Jeff. You know, you, there, there are so many fights we have now and the market's so saturated. Uh, you know, unfortunately not at the moment right now because so many events have been canceled due to this uh, coronavirus, but um, yeah, there, there are just so many great fights where you remember exactly where you were and exactly how you felt at that moment when you watched it happen. Uh, even if you were watching a replay that you didn't know the result of, which, you know, we've gone over a couple of those. So uh, hopefully we've given you guys some content to go back and look up, uh, you know, while you're home with nothing to do over this, uh, extraordinarily long podcast for us um this is almost uh double the length you know we usually try to keep it 45 minutes to an hour we're at an hour and 38 minutes as we speak jeff this is uh very unusual but uh any any last thoughts you want to get off your chest here bud oh dude i have so many more fights we could talk about man uh one i wanted to mention was uh, nate diaz versus conor mcgregor too that was one of the last fights we watched together, Bill, when you were still li uh, living up here. What was, the name of, what was the name of that bar we watched that at? Uh, that was uh, Bar One in my Yeah, country. Bar One. Uh, That's yeah, North dude. Bergen, right? 
Yeah, um, th- actually, I'm thinking my high school reunion might be there. I can't believe it's been 10 years since I graduated high school, Bill. Um, time flies, and I have done absolutely nothing with my life. So, uh, <laughs> but yeah, um, yeah, dude, um, that, you know, that was a good one for me. But anyway, I- I'm not going to get too into it because then we'll just be here all night talking about really good fights, which, you know, the conversation never ends on that. So, you know, if anybody out there is watching this or listening to us, uh, leave us a comment. Tell us who, who, what fights are in your top five list um, or, you know, top 10. Everyone do. Yeah. Maybe yeah. we can go back and watch them. Maybe there are, there are fights that we didn't even think about. And then, like, like you said, Bill, like sitting there and reflecting, you're just like, holy macaroni. That fight was pretty <laughs> awesome, too. So, Yeah. Well, I uh, first and foremost, I hope we've given you guys a little bit of a distraction from everything that's going on in the world, all the craziness out there with COVID-19. Those of you who are quarantined and, uh, you know, held up with nothing to do, you know, we wanted to give you guys an extra long episode and and hopefully give you guys uh, some more content in the weeks to come. You know, maybe we'll talk about some non-MMA stuff too, but uh, we wanted to put something together for you guys. So um, that that was a bit of a distraction. Hopefully we we're able to accomplish that. Um, in either case, uh, reach out to us on social media. Let us know what you think about what we're doing here. Leave us a review wherever you're listening or wherever, wherever you're, wherever you're watching. Um, it definitely helps out the show. It helps other people find the show. And um, that's all we can do, man. We, we can do our part to uh, provide a bit of a distraction during these crazy times. We hope everybody's safe out there. Of course, uh, you're taking every precaution you can to protect yourself and your families. And uh, if you want to reach out to us on social media, you can reach Jeff at animal underscore Wilson on Twitter and Instagram. And you guys know how to get a hold of me. It's at MMA on the rocks everywhere on social media. You can send me an email if you'd like MMA on the rocks, gmail.com. Uh, I do like when you guys send me emails. Uh, let me know what you're thinking. I, I like when you guys send me uh, DMs too. I, I try to respond um, as frequently as I can, you know, being the parent of a two-year-old. I don't get to uh, spend so much time on social media. I, I block out the time to do the podcast, and then uh, my social media time is is somewhat limited. But reach out to us. Let us know what you're thinking and drinking out there while you're all quarantined and dealing with this viral pandemic. We're all going to get through it together. Remember, it's all about your attitude. Until next time. Cheers, everybody. Goodbye.